Welcome to The War from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Since the war, there have been many specials and programs about the Holocaust. However, I came across this program which, through music and narration primarily, with perhaps a little bit of drama mixed in, this all-star production paid tribute to those Jews who were killed in the Holocaust and who had risen up from all nations of the United Nations to fight the evils of Nazi Germany and the Axis. This special from the Hollywood Bowl, We Will Never Die, first aired July 4th, 1944. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We're speaking to you from the Hollywood Bowl, which tonight is the scene of one of the nation's most spectacular pageants, titled We Will Never Die. This mammoth memorial is dedicated to the two million civilian Jewish dead of Europe. This is the only performance to be given in Los Angeles. Written by Ben Hecht as a living testimonial of the suffering of the Jews and their hopes and achievements, the pageant has a special musical score by Kurt Weill, famous composer. The symphony orchestra is under the direction of Franz Waxman. The cast includes 1,000 volunteer actors and actresses headed by such stellar stars as Edward G. Robinson, Edward Arnold, Joan Leslie, John Garfield, Blanche Yorka, Hakim Tamirov, Jacob Benami, Sam Levine, Paul Henried, J. Edward Bromberg, and many others. The show was staged originally by Moss Hart. This production is an exact replica of the one which drew such enthusiastic praise in its Madison Square Garden premiere several months ago. Ben Hecht and Billy Rose are national chairman of the pageant committee. Now to the production, We Will Never Die.
Almighty God, Father of the poor and the weak, strength of the righteous, and the hope of all who dream of goodness and justice. Almighty God, who favored the children of Israel with his light, we are here to affirm that this light still shines in us. We are here to say our prayers for the two million who have been killed in Europe because they bear the name of your first children, the Jews. Before our eyes has appeared a strange and awesome picture of a folk being put to death, of a great and ancient people in whose veins have lingered for so long the earliest words and image of God dying like a single child on a single bayonet. We are not here to weep for them, although our eyes are stricken with this picture and our hearts burdened with their fate. We are here to honor them and to proclaim the victory of their dying. For in our Bible are written the words of Habakkuk, prophet of Israel, they shall never die. They shall never die. Those who are slaughtered with no weapons in their hands, though they still fill the dark land of Europe with the smoke of their massacre, they shall never die. For they are part of something greater, higher and stronger than the dreams of and removed from the face of the earth. Their cry, Shema Yisrael, remains in the world. We are here to strengthen our hearts, to take into our veins the pride and courage of the millions of innocent people who have fallen and are still to fall before this German massacre. They were unarmed, but not we. We live in a land whose arm is stronger than the arm of the German Goliath. This land is our David, almighty God. We are here to affirm that our hearts will be a monument worthy of our dead. We are here to affirm that the innocence of their lives and the dream of goodness in their souls are witnesses that will never be silent. They shall never die. We are here to affirm that we shall stand beside David and in the name of the innocent dead and of human honor battle forever and without end. Such is the meaning of our memorial tonight. Our service will begin with a prayer, Shema Yisrael, the prayer that holds the last words 
of the millions who have died in the massacres by the Germans. This prayer proclaims the soul's allegiance to God. It is out of the pages of Deuteronomy, and it has risen from the stricken and the dying in all the lands of the earth for many centuries. Here, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Joined in the prayer Shema Yisrael by our rabbis who have come from the dead ghettos of Europe. They are among the few who have survived. They were witnesses of the killing of our folk in Germany, Poland, Holland, France, Czechoslovakia. Romania, Russia, and all the places of a run by the Germans. My Israel, Adenoi Eleheinu, Adenoi Echot.
Long ago, there was a tribe that tended sheep and tilled the ground in the half-barren places beyond the River Jordan. There were many civilizations already in the world. Many heroes and philosophers had already entered history. But in the record of man's rise out of the fogs of savagery, there was still one page empty. It was on this page that the little tribe of shepherds and farmers beyond the Jordan wrote their creed. The creed that was destined to change the soul of man. They wrote that the soul of man had not come from the beast, but been given him by God. They wrote that above all the creeds and lusts in the human soul stood goodness, righteousness, and justice. They wrote that the destiny of man called him to serve this mighty creed, to serve it above all the other powers on earth. Writing thus on the empty page, this little tribe put down the words of a battle cry that is never ended and of a dream that has alone survived all the debacles of history. The first tribesman who wrote on this empty page was named Abraham. And the handful of farmers who crossed the Jordan with Abraham were the first Jews. Today in the dark lands of Europe, the Germans are seeking to destroy the creed written by Abraham and that now belongs to the whole world. Statisticians have estimated that it cost $50,000 for the Germans to kill a single Allied soldier. This is an expensive gesture. The killing of a Jew is less expensive. It costs nothing. The Jew of Europe is the stepson in the house. The laws of nations do not include his safety, his honor, or his inheritance. However bravely he dies as a soldier in defense of American foxholes, of British cruisers, of French outposts, however wildly he fights as a soldier under the 20 flags of civilization, as a Jew... He is the most inexpensive corpse in history. The killing of two million Jews has cost the Germans less than the killing of a single American soldier. It is the cheapness of his death that gives the Jew in military lands a bad name. Against this bad name, earned by his helpless death, he has only one defense, the value of his living. This is his shield. This is his sword. This is his indestructibility. This is his valor and his victory. And here is his scroll. We summon this fame not to boast, but to give strength to hearts that have forgotten in their sorrow the shield, the sword, the valor, and the indestructibility of that people. There was Moses. The law gave it to the Jews and through them to the world. Moses, who brought down from Mount Sinai the Ten Commandments, which are the moral laws of today, and which will be the moral laws of a tomorrow rid of Nazis. There was David, founder of the Jewish kingdom, whose voice, lifted in song 2,800 years ago, still sounds to comfort the heavy laden of the earth. There was Solomon, whose wisdom still remains as the homeland of truth, and around these three, there stands a host of heroes, prophets, and poets. Isaiah, Joshua, Saul, Samuel, Jeremiah, Elijah, and Jesus Christ of Nazareth, apostle of God and king of the Jews. Thunderers all, whose dreams and phrases molded the soul of man and illumined forever is tomorrow. And if you would know whence the Jewish soldiers in the foxholes, tanks and bombers of today derive their fierceness, look on Bar Kokhba. Bar Kokhba, the mighty warrior who marched forth against the Roman legions and scattered and terrified them for three years. 
scattered like quicksilver under the hammers of persecution, the Jews raised their voices in the many houses of the world. Theirs was the voice that ushered in the Renaissance and the new light for the world. They were the great rabbis, Hillel, Akiba, and Rashi, the commentator, Solomon ben Gabirol, and Abraham ben Hasi. Philosophers in the Spain of the 12th century rekindled the torches of learning and beauty that ended the Dark Ages. With them sang Yehuda Alevi and the many poets of exile. There was Don Isaac Abravanel, minister of finance to the court of Ferdinand and Isabella, who raised money for the venture of Christopher Columbus. There was Baruch Spinoza, who in the north erected a tower for the soul of man. Far and wide the genius of the Jew, who then as now must die so helplessly, added to the values of life. Amartus Lusitanus, father of European medicine, enters the scroll. And Benjamin of Judea, the first great geographer of Europe. And Dr. Astruc, father of gynecology. And Myomenes, the light of reason. The names are many and the scroll is small. There was Montaigne, called the noblest mind of the French. There was Moses Mendelssohn, the little humpback Jew of Germany who rode his people out of the German ghettos and whose grandson, Felix Mendelssohn, made music for the world. Abraham Schreiner of Galicia, discovered discoverer of petroleum. Rachel, the great actress of Europe, and Bernhardt, Pizarro, the painter. Akkad Ham, the philosopher. Maurice de Hirsch, genius of industrialism and hero of Jewish philanthropy. Siegfried Marcus, inventor of the benzone-propelled engine, forerunner of the automobile. Chaim Solomon, <clears throat> who helped finance the armies of the American Revolution. Benjamin Disraeli, called Lord Beaconsfield, novelist and statesman whose brilliant mind carried England into the East. Tengwil, the writer. Shalom Alakim. Werfel, Fechtwenger. Sholomash, Panero, Schnitzler, Wolnard, Zweig, Wasserman, Halevi, Katul Mendes, Fred Hart, Olaf Schreiner. The names of the Jewish writers are many. Marcel Proust, Anatole France, the three national heroes of Palestine, Trompeta, Raziel, Jabotinsky, John Howard Payne, American dramatist and author of the song Home Sweet Home, Steinmetz, genius of electricity, and the music makers, there is no end. The Jews have sung and played and given songs and symphonies to the world as if Orpheus himself had crossed the Jordan with them. From the great liturgical music echoing through history to the tune makers of the people, they have serenaded a hundred lands. Bizet, composer of Carmen. Meyerbeer and Sansan. Rubinstein. Horowitz, Heifetz, Elman, Korngold, and Gershwin. Bauer, Offenbach, Irving Berlin, Goldmark. Jerome Kern, Schoenberg, Bloch, and Gustav Mahler. Louis Ponce de Leon, the greatest lyric poet of Spain. Bialik, the great singer of Palestine. Heinrich Heine, the greatest lyric poet of Germany. And another, Emma Lazarus whose sonnet stands in bronze on our Statue of Liberty. Send these the homeless, tempest-tossed to me. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. Sir John Herschel, astronomer and inventor of modern photography. Cesar Lombroso, scientist. Otto Lilienthal of Prussia, inventor of the glider and called the grandfather of the aeroplane. Samuel Gompers, founder of the American Federation of Labor. Louis Brandeis, jurist and philosopher. Ferdinand LaSalle and Karl Marx, historians of the future. Cardoza, American jurist and philosopher. Chaim Weizmann, Jewish patriot and scientist. Ludwig Trauber, founder of the science of pathology, whose statue still stands in Paris. Rosa Bonheur, the painter. Modigliani, the painter. Picasso, Chagall. Max Nordau, the Voltaire of neurology. Theodor Herzl, founder of Zionism. Jack Loeb, the great biologist. Sigmund Freud, inventor of the new science of thought. The names are too many and the scroll too small. But here are our world champions, the Jewish winners of the Nobel Prizes. Here are Jews who will stand forever beyond the reach of the German lynching mobs. Jews whose names will glitter when the names of the Nazis are lost in the mud of history. The Nobel Prize for World Distinction in the Arts and Sciences was awarded to these Jews. In 1905, for his work in organic dyes, 
Adolf von Bayer. In 1907, for his work in meteorology, Albert Abraham Michelson. In 1908, for his invention of color photography, Gabriel Lippmann. In 1908, for his work in the cure of syphilis, Paul Ehrlich. In 1908, for his work in bacteria immunity, Playa Metchnikov. In 1909, for his invention of the wireless telegraphy with Marconi, Carl Ferdinand Braun. In 1910, for his pioneer work in organic chemistry, Otto Wallach. In 1911, for their literary efforts in behalf of peace, Karl Landsteiner and Otto Levy. In 1914, for his work in pathology, Robert Barane. In 1915, for his botanical researches, Richard Wilstetter. In 1919, for his work in chemistry, Fritz Haber. In 1921, for his services in the theory of physics, Albert Einstein. In 1922, for his work on the atomic theory, Niels Bohr. In 1922, for his work in organic chemistry, Otto Meyerhoff. In 1925, for their work in atomic physics, James Frank and Gustav Hertz. In 1925, for his work in chemistry, Richard Sigismondo. In 1928, for his work in philosophy, Henry Bergson. In 1931, for his work in chemistry, Otto Heinrich Warburg. The scroll overruns. The halls of fame of a hundred nations hold the names of Jews who have given value to life. The prophet Hosea spoke of Israel, that it was destined to bloom and bud and fill the world with its fruit. Here is that fruit. Here is that Jew who shall never die.
That's a telegraph key clicking. It's a message coming from a faraway place. Listen to it. The date is May 5th. The faraway place is Corregidor. Do you remember Corregidor? The last bastion of American arms in the Philippines? The Japs hit it with a ten-to-one army and a hundred-to-nothing air force. It held until this day, May 5th. This is the last hour of its defense. This is the hour of its defeat. A 22-year-old Jewish boy from Brooklyn by the name of Irving Strobing sits at his post and pounds away at a wireless key. He's sending a last message to the world. Corregidor is saying goodbye to the folks back home. Listen to it. This is how an American soldier sounds in defeat. Here's how a Jewish boy from Brooklyn sends in his last words. We'll translate the Morse code for you. Irving is telling the world. Corregidor calling. Corregidor calling. They're not here yet. We're waiting for God only knows what. How about a chocolate soda? We've only got about an hour to go till noon. They're throwing men and shells at us. They've been shelling us faster than you can count. I am really low down. Enemy heavy cross-shelling and bombing. They've got all around us and from the sky. Corregidor used to be a nice place, but it's haunted now. I can hardly think. Say, I got 60 pesos you can have for this weekend. The jig is up. Everyone is bawling like a baby. They're piling dead and wounded in our tunnel. My arms are weak from pounding this key. No rest. Short rations, tired. Hey, I just got a treat, a can of pineapple. My name is Irving Strobing. Get this to my, get this to my mother, Miss Minnie Strobing. 605 Barbie Street, Brooklyn. They'll get along okay. My love to Pa, Joe, Sue, Mac, Harry, Jane, and Paul. God bless them all. Tell Joe wherever he is to give him hell for us. My love to all. God bless you and keep you. Stand by. Armies hail and farewell from Corregidor. A salute from the dying, delivered by Irving Strobing. It's one of the epics of the war. There are many epics in the war, written, spoken, lived by countless heroes. If we stress for these minutes the deeds of fighting Jews on all the battlefronts, it is not because they are the greatest or the most numerous. It is because they are our own. They are great enough for pride and many enough for history to count. Hundreds of Jewish soldiers, sailors, flyers, and Marines have been decorated and cited for valor. Thousands of them lie dead and wounded on our battlefields. The Nazis said the Jews cannot fight. Wait till Barney Ross gets to Berlin. Wait till the legions of freedom storm across the forests of Bavaria and the fields of Saxony. In the legions, under every flag that moves forward, there will be Jews. They are under the fighting flags now. They have been under them since the first gun sounded in Poland. Bar Kochba's boys are scattered in a hundred armies. They were under the brave flag of the Greeks. Mussolini's pathetic world conquerors and who stood off the mighty Nazi war machine for the 12 weeks that saved Russia. There were thousands of Jews who died fighting under the Greek flag. They were with the French.
And before de Gaulle's fighting French, they fought in the French retreat, defending a flag that was to repudiate them and turn them over to the Germans as Jews fit only for slavery and butchery. And they clamor still in the concentration camps of France for a place on the battlefield against the Hun. They are under the flag of the Dutch. in the jungles of Java and Batavia and aboard the ships of the Netherlands. They are under the English flag. From Burma to Bizerti and all the imperial armies raining death out of the skies. Over Berlin, Cologne, Frankfurt, Milan, in the sieges of Tobruk, in the chase after Rommel, in the headlong drive to throw the Germans into the Mediterranean, Jews march and fly. They have a flag of their own, the Star of David, raised above the reclaimed deserts of Palestine. young Jews who have survived the German massacres. There are another hundred thousand sturdy pioneers of Palestine, and they cry for the rights of fight. We Jews of Europe are being killed as Jews. Give us the right to strike back as Jews. Let the Star of David be one of the flags that enters Berlin. They are under the flag of the Soviet Union. the Soviet fronts, from Leningrad to the Don. Their valor is part of the great Russian spirit. 200,000 of them have died, standing in the way of the German tanks. These Jews who have shared with the Russians the infernos of the Soviet fronts are the happy Jews of Europe. Under Mexican, Brazilian, and Chinese flags are fighting Jews. Under the flags... Of Canada, Australia, and South Africa, they battled. They were at Dieppe. They were in the Stanley Mountains. They were at Tobruk. Do you know what they did at Tobruk? They were the 9,000 volunteers who traveled daily the heavily shelled road between Tobruk and the sea, bringing supplies to the beleaguered city. On this road lay most of the dead of Tobruk, and their Scotch, English, and Australian comrades called this way of death the Road of Zion. Under the flags of the Serbian guerrilla fighters, of the Polish legions, of the Czech mountain heroes, under the banners of the free Belgians and the fighting units of the broken nations of Europe are Jewish soldiers by the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands. The Germans murdered two million Jewish civilians without trouble. The Germans are murdering the surviving four million Jewish civilians of Europe without trouble. But those who are marching forward under the flags of freedom, they will not kill so easily. They will have grave trouble killing armed Jews. For every Jew who fights is not only a soldier, but an avenger. USA, 
300,000 Jews are marching and sailing and flying forth to battle. And their spirit is the spirit of Washington, Lincoln, and Roosevelt, of Bach Kokhba, and Irving Strobring, and Maya Levine. We ask of you a minute of silence in honor of our soldiers, all our soldiers, Jew and Gentile, who have died in this war. bugle sound. This is the wall of doom. Around it stands the might of the Germans. Tank divisions, bomber squadrons, the elite guards, and the stormtrooper regiments surround this wall. It is ranked with death. The eyes of cannon and machine guns watch it day and night. Inside this wall are the Jews of Warsaw. Starving Jews, dying Jews, desperate and doomed Jews. Jews who were once scholars and workers, poets and artisans, soldiers, tradesmen, teachers. Jews who were once busy as human beings, 
wait behind this wall for death. No flag marches to their rescue. No distant bugles sound with hope. Only one activity remains, that of dying. They have only one weapon against the might of the Germans that watch the war. Their weapon is the spirit of man. This remains. Massacre has not blunted it. Doom has not rusted it. Right in the history of man are the battles that were fought with this spirit, the unconquerable spirit that shines forever above the victory of its enemies. Thermopylae, the Alamo, Batan, Stalingrad. Here is another battle to place beside them. The battle of the Warsaw Ghetto. Here is a battle in which Jews, outnumbered 1,000 to 1, fought the might of the Germans to a standstill for three weeks. And though every one of these Jews is dead today, though every man, woman, and child who battled behind the ghetto ramparts has been exterminated, though the ghetto is empty today, empty as a beggar's tin cup in the rain, the spirit of these doomed and half-starved warriors will rise forever among the highest flags of history. In 1941, there were 400,000 Jews in the ghetto of Warsaw. There were another million in the other ghettos of Poland. In 1941, the order came for their murder. Josef Paul Goebbels, speaking for the German people, proclaimed over the radio... That was the order. That was part of the German bid for greatness. Within six months, the order was being fulfilled. Within six months, the cities of Bialystok, Grono, Brest-Litovsk, Vilno, Helm, Krakow, were Juden Rhine, clean of Jews. Every Jew in them had been slaughtered. The killing of one million and a half human beings, even though they were helpless and unarmed, required organization and called for ingenuity. And these are talents in which the Germans excel. The Nazi governor of Poland, General Fischer, fell eagerly to work, establishing extermination camps. Remember these names... Travinka, Osvientim, Treblinka. Remember particularly the name of Treblinka. These were the organized extermination camps. In Treblinka, 7,000 7, Jews a day were put to death in special steam chambers and the mobile lime pits devised by General Wilhelm Krüger. All of the doomed Jews of Poland passed through the ghetto of Warsaw. Warsaw was the embarkation center for death. A million Jews passed through the ghetto of Warsaw on their way to Troinke, Oswiecim, 
and Treblinka. On their way to the steam chambers and the lime pits. The ghetto of Warsaw was ringed with the Nazi divisions, cut off from the world like a section of limbo. But through its walls trickled the cry of the doomed, the faint cry of millions dying. They found no echo, no savior signaled from heaven or earth. On the 17th of March, 1943, there were left 35,000 Jews in the ghetto of Warsaw. 35,000 Jews and a million ghosts. And on March 17th, the Nazi governor of Poland, General Fischer, issued the order. All the remaining Jews of Poland must be killed. This order went to the tank commanders, to the bombing pilots, to the machine gun and artillery officers. On March the 17th, 1943, the Germans moved forward on their errand of extermination. The elite guards marched into the ghetto of Warsaw at noon. They had come to murder 35,000 helpless people. The elite cars arrived at the corner of Bluga and Plomatska Street. These are street names to remember. For on the corner of Bluga and Plomatska Streets, a miracle happened. Jews, young and old, weakened with hunger, half-clothed. Jews led by an engineer named Mikhail Kletis met the elite guards with weapons in their hands. Old guns, scanned bullets... Rusty bayonets, but still weapons. Met the elite guard and charged them. Scattered them and drove them out of the ghetto. Killing 50 of their officers. Raleigh Jews. Here are old guns from the Polish underground. Here are swords. Here are grenades from the hidden storehouses. And here is battle. Raise your barricades. March one against a thousand. Musket against machine gun. Bayonet and club against the finest cannon of Europe. The Germans brought up their crack division. The famed cannon blasted through the ghetto. Bombers circled overhead, dropping shells. Flame and shell fill every alley and highway. But in these streets of a million Jewish ghosts, the Jews held firm. They fought from house to house. They emerged with their guns blazing from cellars. They leaped with grenades in their hands from rooftops. They stood firm. Behind barricades with machine guns. Captured from the stormtroopers. Day after day, through light and darkness, the battle rages and there are reinforcements. Five hundred young Jews on their way to the extermination camp at Treblinka turn on their executioners. With the aid of Polish villagers, they overpower their murderers and run all night back to the ghetto of Warsaw to die in battle. Rally, Jews! There is only death at the cannon mouth. From the underground radio station switched on April 21st comes the single communique of the Battle of the Warsaw Ghetto. Independence has been proclaimed in the last 35,000 Jews in Warsaw. Consalvos are echoing in the streets. Women and children are defending themselves with their bare hands. Help us! This is the brief cry from the ghetto battle. The only words to come from the ghetto front. They're hurled at the world, and the transmitter goes dead. But the battle goes on. The ghetto is in flames. Light, water, oil has been shut off. This is no armed fortress, but naked streets. There are no bombs shelters here. There are no bastions of cannon. Yet 
the ghetto fights on. A thousand Germans are killed the first week. Two thousand the second. Three thousand the first. Coolly, boldly, men and women of the ghetto stand at their posts, die at their posts, and that all the elite guards and the might of the German divisions can overpower them. And against the ghetto wars, the old ones have returned to their prey, and the young ones who have no arms raise their voices and sing as the battle closes on them. And now, there are flags. Flags go up on the ghetto walls. Flags go up on the rooftops of the warehouses. The flags of faraway countries. The flags of Britain, of Russia, and of Poland rise. No help comes from these lands. But their flags are the faces of freedom. The faces of faraway freedom. week of the battle. And the cries spread through the broken streets of the ghetto. German tanks are advancing. They're coming down Lange Street. Rally, Jews. The tanks will roll over the old and the dying, over the weak and the helpless. Rally and meet them. the last act of the Battle of the Warsaw Ghetto. With grenades and pistols, with clubs and swords, all who remained of the fighting Jews from over the ghetto wall, shouting and singing, they leaped from the wall into the street. They rushed forward and fell themselves at the Nazi tanks. until he lay dead. It was a great victory for the Germans. They marched into the ghetto triumphant and slaughtered the 13,000 unarmed old men, women, and children who remained. All of them. The extermination of the Jews had been accomplished according to plan. There are only ghosts left in the ghetto of Warsaw today. Herrenfolk of the Third Reich, brave, goose-stepping Jew-killers, swine-hearted knights of massacre and murder, what is it you hear in the ghetto of Warsaw today? Not moans, nor shrieks, nor cannons booming, but a song, faint and endless, 
the song of the spirit that drifts from every one of the stones you conquered. The song of the brave Jews of Warsaw that will outlive your victories. Detectives.net. I welcome your story or that of loved ones who served during World War II. Ken Curlin provides our opening theme music, KenCurlin.com. I am your host, Adam Graham. This uh, series is provided as a service of the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio, GreatDetectives.net.